Well, hello there and welcome back to the Pursue Your Spark podcast. I'm your host, Heike Yates, and on this show, we empower women over 50 to take back their health and strength with simple fitness strategies. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today and welcome to all the new listeners. I would love it, guys, if you shared this podcast with anyone that might benefit from the fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies. And that includes my amazing interviews with amazing women that share their story and their strategies. And today is no exception. I have a registered dietitian on the show with me today. And we're touching on a tough issue, and that is emotional eating. Cassie and I talk about the triggers, how to balance your hormones and your blood sugars, and how to stop emotional eating. Hi there, you're listening to the Pursue Your Spark podcast. I'm your host and fitness warrior, Heike Yates. And on this show, we empower women over 50 to take back their health and strength with sound fitness, nutrition, and mindset strategies. Our guests on the show share their honest stories so that you'll have the courage to take action, knowing that you're not alone in your struggles. Today's guest is Cassie Christopher, a registered dietitian who has helped hundreds of women overcome emotional eating so that they can focus on what's really important in life. She helps women live a healthy lifestyle without obsessing over it and specializes in sustainable behavior changes. Welcome to the show, Cassie. Thank you for having me, Heike. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. We're talking about practical strategies to balance hormones with nutrition to decrease the stress response and emotional eating. But before we dive in, tell our listener, who is Cassie? Where's she grown up? Where she's coming from? What is she doing? How did she get to where she is right now? Yeah, thank you. I am a Seattle, Washington native, and I am a registered dietitian. So that means I get to spend my time talking to people about food and their lifestyles and how to be healthier. I've spent some time in the hospital setting and in the community setting, and um, it seems each place I went, uh, the thing that was getting in the way of people reaching their health goals was uh, emotional eating. And so finally, after you know talking to so many people about emotional eating and also um, healing my own relationship with food so that emotional eating isn't standing in the way of my own health goals, I decided uh, to focus solely on helping women overcome emotional eating. Can you tell us a little bit more about the relationship with you and food or food and you? I would love to. Yeah. You know, I um, am someone who feels emotions really strongly. I don't know if anyone in your audience can relate with that, but um, yeah, you could call me emotional. <laughs> 
And I'm also that type A, um, you know, want to be the best kind of person. And so I tend towards stress and anxiety. And that along with, you know, many other factors in my life has led to emotional eating. And I remember getting to a place, uh, I was in uh, graduate school studying nutrition and sitting there eating like a tub of guacamole with tortilla chips and feeling, you know, good about the healthy fats and the guacamole. Um, but doing it out of stress, right? And so I got done with, with that tub and just felt gross, realized I gained a lot of weight. I didn't have a lot of energy. Like this emotional eating that I was engaging in really wasn't helping me in the long run. Um, and, and honestly, I didn't know what to do about it. I mean, I was in school for nutrition. And so I tried what probably many people in your audience have, have tried and, and maybe you as well, which is just to, you know, white knuckle willpower and, and stop doing it. Um, well, that didn't work. <laughs> and, and yeah. it, it, it tends not to, right? Yeah, as uh, you think, everybody, many people say, you just don't have willpower, but it doesn't have anything to do with the willpower. It doesn't. No, and, you know, so then it's like I tried to address the stress. I tried some hot yoga, and it's like that succeeded in getting me really sweaty and maybe a little less stressed, but I was still emotionally eating. Um, and even things like calorie counting and, you know, tracking my food and all these strategies that, uh, that are supposed to help, no one thing solved the problem for me. And it actually wasn't until years later, uh, as I mentioned earlier, after working with um, many people who were struggling with emotional eating, that I came to see that for emotional eating, there's never like a, a one trick, you know, solution. There's no magic bullet, if you will, you have to address um, several factors and, uh, you know, body and hormones, like we're going to be talking about today. Um, you have a soul focus in terms of your, um, your emotions and your thought patterns and your history. And then um, also what I call structure, which is the, the places in your life that you spend your time and energy. And so if you're only addressing one of those things, you know, with tracking your food or willpower or exercise, mm -hmm. um, you're not going to be successful. You have to address all of them. And, and so, you know, slowly but surely I was able to do that in my own life. And now I'm at the point where, you know, I tell people, um, I emotionally eat and it should never be the goal to never emotionally eat because we're just going to do it. Um, and it can be helpful and it can be fun. Uh, but I choose when I'm doing it and I'm in control of, of my eating uh, in a way that I wasn't in the past. And, and I can feel good about that. Yeah. Let's backtrack a little bit. I'm very curious. When do people consult a dietitian? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, a lot of times people consult a dietitian for specific health conditions. Um, so dietitians are, you know, credentialed and uh, often can work with doctors and bill insurance and things like that. And so um, a lot of people will come for specific health conditions like, you know, I have chronic kidney disease or I want to lower my cholesterol or I want to lower my blood pressure. Like I have these labs for my doctor, I want to change them or, you know, I have diabetes, heart disease, etc. cetera. Um, 
People also come to dietitians for weight loss, as we are the food uh, and nutrition experts. And then, you know, there's really a lot of different um, emerging areas as well in terms of, you know, relationship with food, certainly eating disorders, dietitians work in food service. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's a fun time to be a dietitian in a lot of areas to focus in and I've chosen emotional eating <laughs> when somebody schedule a session with you Kathy Cassie um, what can they expect so they walk in the they make an appointment they walk in the door or online as your services online and since we're and um, as we're recording this episode we're in the midst of the coronavirus mm -hmm. pandemic um, what can they expect yeah, so I work, I do work completely remotely um, with people, even not in the coronavirus, but it certainly um, made it easier because I knew how to use Zoom before this happened. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> Everyone else is just figuring it out, right? Oh. Um, yeah, so when someone meets with me, I, I'll do, you know, an initial free discussion just to share what my services are but when they decide to work with me and meet with me first I like people to fill out a pretty complete questionnaire and that's because um, my specialty is um, something called functional medicine where I'm looking at uh, you know, looking for the root cause of what's going on for someone. So if they say that they, you know, have low energy or, um, you know, that they're emotionally eating a lot, like, I want to get to the bottom of why, what's really standing in the way. And so a, a more detailed an, uh, intake questionnaire helps me do that, as well as a food record, just to understand, you know, what are people eating? How often are they eating? Because all of that plays into hormone balance, it plays into energy levels, it plays into to, yeah, your risk for certain chronic diseases, and I will assess all of that um, in, in, in meeting with someone uh, to make sure that they are on the most optimal path towards wellness. And of course, whatever someone's goals are, I mean, that's what we talk about, but <laughs> the yeah. other stuff is a bonus too. <laughs> it truly is. Now, I know this is sometimes so obvious, but I've learned from being in the fitness and nutrition and health niche for over 30 years that the simplest things are the ones where people go, oh, I had mm -hmm. no idea. And my yeah. question is, define emotional eating and what are the triggers that you have identified? Yeah, so, and I think that's an amazing question. Um, and it's easier to define than feel in practice. And what I mean by that is I usually define emotional eating as eating in response to emotions <laughs> rather than physiologic hunger. And like I said, right, easy definition. But some of us don't necessarily know what it feels like to be hungry. So um, you might not notice, for instance, that you're hungry until you're like past the point of no return. Um, or you might not notice you're full until you're super, super stuffed. And, and right, like you need some, some nuance in there to be able to know when it's a good time to eat so that your, um, your hormones stay balanced and you have you know, energy and feel good and it doesn't lead you into a cycle of more emotional eating. And then, you know, of course, dealing with emotions is, uh, can be a whole nother um, problem as well what do emotions feel like? What are you actually feeling? Where do you feel it at? And, you know, oftentimes the simplest thing, like you said, it can usually be the simplest thing that makes people go, oh, 
I think in this case, that simple thing is pausing before you eat. So you feel that craving or you feel that urge and then you pause to find out, is it emotions? Is it, am I actually hungry? And, and if someone isn't practiced in doing that, um, you know, that can actually be really hard, but my encouragement is stick with it because you do learn, you know, to notice the difference between the two. Because with so many people staying at home now, I am sure that they're sitting on their desks and get really bored and they just wander around the fridge, opening cupboards to see what's in there. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, I've also heard like the overwhelm and the added stress, you know, uh, these, these emotions. And it isn't only emotions that tend to have a negative impact on us um, that, that cause emotional eating. I mean, eating at holidays, you know, 4th of July, Thanksgiving, you know, whatever the holiday is in celebration, you know, full of joy for your birthday, like that's all emotional eating as well. And so it's important to know emotional eating isn't all bad. It's just, you know, especially now, like you say, during this current crisis, when people are now, you know, working at their dining room table, stressed out from learning new technologies, um, or, you know, just for whatever reason, but they're 10 feet from the refrigerator, um, that emotional eating is probably happening more often than they would like. I like what you said that not all emotional eating is bad. Because mm -hmm. a lot of people associate emotional eating, just the word with bad. Yeah. And I mean, think about a, a brief thought experiment is if you think emotional eating is super bad, and you participate in emotional eating, so you, you do it, how are you gonna feel afterwards? You're probably gonna feel awful, you're gonna feel ashamed, you're gonna feel like, you know, I have no willpower, you're probably gonna start saying mean things to yourself in your thought life, um, which may just lead to more emotional eating. So, you know, it's better if someone can say, hey, emotional eating is normal. Sometimes I'm going to give myself permission to emotionally eat and that's okay. And in that response, when someone's done emotionally eating, you know, they're not going to feel all that shame and, and these other negative things. I love that. It's like, I really don't like when people tell me, oh, I hike it. I have been bad. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what do you mean you've been bad? Oh, I ate this and that this week. And although I was going to stick to my food log, this whole notion of we making ourselves as women feel so bad about doing something that could be also a positive thing. You know, in cognitive behavioral therapy, um, that idea of of, uh, you know, extrapolating a choice you made to your personal identity. You know, you made a choice that, that you're not, that's not in line with your health goals. Okay. That doesn't mean that you are bad. That's actually called a cognitive distortion. And I mean, there are entire therapy systems um, related. I'm not a therapist, but I've studied it because it's helpful for my, for my clients. Entire therapy systems related to helping people overcome um, thought patterns like that because they are just so unhelpful, so not true. I mean, um, 
you know, the thing is, is there's, there's hormones at play here too. So, you know, it's okay to have cake on your birthday and it's also okay to eat M&Ms because you're stressed out. And that might be the one that people feel more uncomfortable around. Um, you know, and like I said, when you're doing it all the time, all day long, then it's getting in, in, in line or in the place of your health goals. But, you know, occasionally that emotional eating, giving yourself permission, enjoying it, that's happening because of, um, you know, a lot of stress hormones. That's happening because there's a lot of appetite hormones building up. Um, and those things can cause some of that emotional eating. Uh, and, and so I, I say all that, there's biology involved that we you know, want people to be nicer to themselves um, and understand a little, with a little more self-compassion that, um, yeah, that there's biology involved. And also, the reason we emotionally eat is because it works. Um, the reward centers in the brain, dopamine is a neurotransmitter that um, gets released when someone emotionally eats, and that makes your brain say, ah, oh, yeah, this feels good. <laughs> so, right? Like, there's a reason we do it. It's very true. And since you touched on the hormones, because we're talking about strategies to balance hormones, mm -hmm. how do you know what hormones to balance, Cassie? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I always um, start with blood sugar balancing hormones. And so people may have heard of, you know, things like insulin before. They might have heard of blood sugar before. Um, more in the context of uh, diabetes, actually. Um, and even some people will talk about it around weight management. So this might be a weird thing <laughs> for some people to hear about with emotional eating. But the reason I bring it up is because your body is trying to control your blood sugar in a very narrow range throughout the day. So you need like the perfect amount because your brain uses that blood sugar, your muscles use that blood sugar. So you need the perfect amount to keep your energy up. And your body usually does a pretty good job um, keeping it up. But what can happen is, is when someone consumes a large amount uh, or even a small amount of, of like sugary or refined carbohydrate foods, so, you know, white bread, sugars, things like that, it can cause a spike um, in that blood sugar and then a subsequent drop. And when it drops too low, what happens is the hormone cortisol, which is a stress hormone, it's also known as the fight or flight hormone, gets initiated. And cortisol, research suggests, um, causes people to make unhealthy choices. So maybe higher sugar foods, higher fat foods, and then you get another spike and then another dip. And so it ends up being this, you know, every few hours emotionally eating on maybe these higher sugar foods or these more comforting foods, you know, that, that cortisol is making you reach for. Um, and then, you know, you get the dopamine hit and you, you get that, it feels good. And then the blood sugar plummets and the cortisol again. So you can see that it's this hormonal cycle, um, that, that, you know, on top of everything else going on and your, you know, other factors that cause emotional eating, it's, it's making it happen on a biological level. Mm -hmm. So that's when we're talking about women in midlife, which is our audience, mm -hmm. it's, we're, we're talking oftentimes about the dreaded belly fat and the bloat. Exactly. And that's exactly what you're addressing with that. And I, I know we keep talking about it over and over, but I always feel that 
people don't understand when we are relaying this message and they say, well, my hormones are completely out of balance, which is true as we're going through menopause and beyond. Mm -hmm. But there's also, like you just pointed out, there is this cycle of feeding and craving and a big, and you've heard it too, is the sugar buster diets and the mm -hmm. uh, don't eat sugar ever, 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 don't eat, eat carrots, which mm -hmm. I think, in my opinion, are way over the top and unnecessary. Right. Um, but you had such a good way to explain what happens when. And if you keep feeding your body the, the sugar, whether it's a form of a donut or a piece of chocolate, and you keep going back, the whole cycle continues, correct? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, cortisol, like you mentioned, is related to more belly fat. It can be related to brain fog, increased risk of chronic disease. I mean, it's a real bummer of a thing to have a lot of, and not to mention it makes you feel stressed. It is the fight or flight. So it, you know, gives you those, those feelings. And so, you know, while you can't control um, what estrogen and progesterone and all these other, um, you know, reproductive hormones are doing with peri and menopause, um, you do actually, you can control your blood sugar balance and, and alleviate some of that cortisol on your body. And it like exactly like you say, it doesn't have to be never eating a piece of sugar, right? right. <laughs> only eating carrots. <laughs> you will never hear me suggest that. I like food that tastes good. I always like to reassure people. Um, the, the solution is actually to eat balanced meals or snacks about every four hours. And that is the, uh, the amount of time um, with, with a balanced meal that keeps things balanced so that your blood sugar never goes too high and it never goes too low. So you stay in that optimal range. Cassie, give us an example of what a snack looks like and what a meal looks like. Sure. And, you know, I think this is one that when someone is leaning into their hunger levels that they will start to um, to get a better picture of for themselves. Because I think sometimes a snack and a meal look the same, right? Um, if you just spent several hours out, you know, doing yard work and you're extra hungry, you might have a bigger snack. But in general, um, the, the balance that I'm talking about here is pairing some sort of protein, um, and examples of protein are like nuts and seeds, beans, soy products, of course, meat and fish, dairy, so some sort of protein with some fiber, and fiber comes from fruits, veggies, and whole grains. So pairing the protein and fiber, whether that be in a smaller amount for a snack, like a hard-boiled egg and a piece of fruit, or or, you know, some celery and peanut butter, uh, or with a meal, which might be, you know, whole wheat pasta and some vegetables and some salmon. Um, those eating something like that every four hours uh, is going to help balance so that this emotional eating happens so much less frequently. So what are the sizes of either one? Say that one more time. What are the sizes of either one? What the sizes. The size of a snack. Sure, sure. So, you know, I mentioned uh, a snack, um, something like nut butter, like peanut butter. You might do two tablespoons of peanut butter and, you know, 
a couple stalks of celery um, or a piece of fruit and a one or two hard boiled eggs or, you know, some tuna on a lettuce leaf. And then um, essentially a meal would just be more than that. Uh, adding in maybe half a cup of whole grains, adding in some healthy fats even to, uh, to round it out um, in addition to the protein and fiber. This is good to visualize this because I find from my coaching that many people don't know what a portion size looks like anymore. Mm -hmm. As we're going out, we're getting these ginormous amounts of foods that yeah. are so unrealistic. And when you think about the calories of a snack is about 150 calories, where the meal is more like four to 500, depending on the activity level. But sure. that means nothing to somebody. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, is this a cal? But if you put it in, like, here's two tablespoons full of this and four celery stalks, or mm -hmm. two eggs and a banana, or whatever it is, I think that's a good visual. I, I agree with you. And I think especially as people are learning, you know, in the early stages of what does my hunger feel like, I think eventually the goal would be to get to a place where um, you have a routine in place where you're eating regularly um, and you're, you know, nourishing yourself at the, these points throughout the day that you don't necessarily have to think too much about, you know, portion sizes and you can just eat until you're full and that will be the appropriate portion size. But that can take years, you know, of someone really working on their relationship with food to get to, to that place. And so portion sizing is, is such a great thing to think about. And my um, kind of nutritionist easy rule of thumb for this is I tell people to look for half a plate of vegetables. Um, no matter what you're eating, you know, if it's snack, if it's meal, try to get half a plate of vegetables in. Because when you're eating half a plate of vegetables, you almost don't have to worry that much about what's on the other half of the plate. Yes, perfect. I love that. Fill up your plate more with vegetables than anything else, or half of it, as you said. It's perfect. Yeah, and that can be especially helpful, you know, when you're at a potluck or you're at the holidays or you're at one of these things where you are outside of your normal or even eating out, you're outside of your normal routine. Um, you know, just working on that half a plate of vegetables can be um, a good place to start. I mean, yeah. and that's great for hormone balancing, but gosh, then there's all the nutrients in the vegetables that make my little dietitian's heart sing. <laughs> Oh, me too. I love that. Cause, but you touched on a good uh, occasion. There's the, the potluck meal. So how can you plan for that other than the half plate of meal? What other tips do you have and strategies when it comes to uh, decreasing the stress response and emotional eating? Yeah, you know, that's such a great point. And I think a potluck, um, you know, first of all, is checking in around what you're feeling because a potluck might mean families around and that could be a great thing or for some people that's a stressful thing you know that's a hard thing and so first of all checking in with yourself around um, how you're feeling 
even before you go into the situation um, or even imagining what you might feel when you're in the situation because that's going to help you feel more in control. You know, when you are caught unaware with a lot of stress or a nagging sister-in-law or, you know, whatever it might be, um, or like your boss being weird or, you know, like just potlucks can, can be in so many different situations. Uh, if you're caught unaware, it's so much harder to make, you know, decisions that are in line with your health goals. Mm -hmm. So knowing ahead of time how you're feeling, um, keeping your routine where you're eating every four hours before the potluck. I know a lot of people will say like, oh, I skipped breakfast because, you know, we're having this big potluck and I want to go crazy. And what that does is when you're not eating regularly, your appetite hormones, they just keep building and building and building. And your body, your brain is listening to these appetite hormones. And it's like, oh, well, there was just like one or two of you here. But now there's like a hundred because it's been so long since, you know, you ate. So you're like starving and your brain's getting this signal like if you don't eat right now and if you don't eat a lot, you know. And so that's, again, this, this hormone balance going against you in that sense so eating regularly checking in with your emotions and then when you get there um, aiming for that half a plate of vegetables a lot of times when you start thinking this way you'll go to potlucks and the first rule everybody learns is there's never enough vegetables <laughs> so true there is plenty of mayonnaise yes. concoctions whatever they are yeah. Or like really lame vegetable trays that like you're not excited about filling up yeah. half your plate with. So, I mean, then it's going to be on you to bring some delicious vegetables. So that's the preparing in advance again. You know, we are invited to an event uh, every other month that is at somebody's home and it's a classical music event and everybody is bringing potluck and a bottle of wine. And, uh, so when we went there the first time, we were not sure what to bring. And I don't remember what we did, but I had the exact same observation as you. There's never enough vegetables, but there's also, from my experience, never enough protein. Mm -hmm. So from this day forward, every time we go to this event, we do grilled chicken and uh, roasted um, green beans. Ooh, yum. You wouldn't believe how quickly they're gone. Mm -hmm. And people said, oh, what are you bringing? And I think in many people's minds, this is too much work or the meat may be expensive. And I'm like, no, it's organic chicken and it's organic greens. But we just put this together in less than an hour and here it is. And I think it, it may just be my imagination, but I think people took up on that. And there's more things to eat because when I get there, I'm like, I don't like anything. I don't want to eat this. This looks suspicious and <laughs> I would never eat. And so, yeah, bring something that you like to eat. Exactly. And that's either that protein or that fiber component or both, because that is going to help decrease on the emotional eating. And, you know, again, is that that self-compassion or that permission to eat, if there's something there that is like your favorite thing and you love it and, you know, or it's a dessert or what have you, um, eat it, right? Because depriving yourself, especially at, you know, fun celebrations, um, that's not going to do anything for your uh, relationship with food and, and your mental health, Um 
no, that's not helpful. Enjoy and enjoy life, right? <laughs> very true. Very true. So what do you think about the idea of eating dinner before, before you go out to eat or eating before you go to an event? You know, I think it, if each person, you know, knows themselves, especially if it's an event that they go to routinely and, and know what it's like. If that helps you stay on your four hour mark, you know, then do it. If you feel, I know I talk to a lot of people who feel, um, just feel uncomfortable making food choices that are different from everyone else at events. Um, and so, you know, like they feel embarrassed or feel like people are watching them or things like that. Um, then that could be a good strategy, uh, either to eat before you go and just have a little bit of everything and, and a small snack kind of, um, option or, um, or yeah, I, I think sometimes that might be the best option. Um, and sometimes it might not, I guess that's where the, the personalization and really knowing your own body comes in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about those people who pressure you into eating? Isn't that strange? Yeah. Um, it's, it is a real thing, especially I find when you have, um, you know, healthy things on your plate. As a dietitian, I can't tell you, like, people look at what I eat and I just want to be like, mind your own business. This is weird. <laughs> um, and I'm sure other people feel that way too. But, uh, you know, I think that is, especially if you know, I think there's repeat offenders. Like, you know, the person who's going to comment usually, you know, if it's the, um, you know, a family member or coworker, what have you. Uh, and I think it's, again, thinking through that in advance, you know, what are you going to say? How's it going to make you feel? Some people can just say like, yeah, I'm nourishing my body and caring for myself, get lost. Um, and then other, <laughs> other people aren't going to feel comfortable doing that. Um, so yeah, if you're not comfortable doing that, then maybe that's a place where eating beforehand and having, again, a snack, a little bit of everything is going to be a good option for you. Yeah. I want to know when is it time to seek other professional help when it comes to stress and emotional eating? That's such an amazing question. I am thankful that you asked that. And, you know, I think um, there are there are a whole lot of people out there who can support in this case. And so, you know, reaching out to the National Eating Dis Disorder Association or if you have your own mental health counselor, um, also your uh, your your. Um, HR department often will have like an employee assistance program and EAP and those often allow telephone conversations with some of these providers as well. But how you would know it's time to get that help is if you are just feeling stuck um, and, and you can't get unstuck, you know, if those same thought patterns about you know, food and who you are and, um, and your body, if those are bothering you a lot and you can't get over it, getting some help around that. Any, uh, a lot of anxiety around food or extreme preoccupation with what you look like and your shape and just not being able to find any place of acceptance there. Um, those are, are, are flags that it could be great to talk to someone and get some extra support um, for maybe some, uh, some abnormal, you know, relationship with food. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a good, good advice. Now, Cassie, how do you incorporate the love of God into your interactions? 
Yeah, well, you know, I see uh, the love of God as being unconditional for for me and and for everyone. And so I believe that we need to apply that same unconditional love uh, to ourselves. Um, And, you know, it's it's interesting because um, that can almost feel like uh, a weird new agey thing to say that doesn't quite match with my conservative upbringing, if I'm being honest. But um, but I really do believe it's true. And in my experience working with people, those who are nicest to themselves in making any sort of health change are the most successful. Um, and and research backs that up in the sense that you know you can there's um this great uh, review of several different studies that were using self-compassion as the intervention. And the self-compassion interventions were just as effective as, you know, health interventions for a variety of health conditions, um, including, you know, things like weight loss and uh, relationship with food and and, um, exercise, you know, being more active. So if you can be just as successful in your health change, being nice to yourself um, and loving yourself unconditionally, like I believe God loves you unconditionally, um, then why not do that (laughs) rather than be mean? Be mean to yourself and beat yourself up and fill yourself mind with negative thoughts and and feelings. Well, exactly. And especially in the realm of emotional eating, it's just counterproductive because when you have all these difficult emotions and you're not coping with them um, in other ways or you know the other ways aren't necessarily a hundred percent working and you have to you have to feel some of that emotion and it's uncomfortable and you don't want to and so you eat um, you know heaping more negativity more stress um, more you know self yeah, self-hatred, really, it sounds extreme, but that's what it is, onto yourself, is only going to make the problem worse. Yeah. What are some final thoughts you want to leave our listeners with? Yeah, I think, you know, um, exactly as we just talked about that, uh, being nice to yourself, having that self-compassion, and, you know, expecting that you will emotionally eat, especially during this coronavirus pandemic, you're going to emotionally eat, if this is something you struggle with, you know, more than usual. And now you understand there's biological reasons for that. It's not just you and your sad willpower. Um, It's, you know, there's more going on. And so my hope is that people will have more self-compassion. They'll allow themselves to engage in some emotional eating without, you know, heaping shame and guilt on themselves. And, and then again, eating every four hours is going to be the best prevention strategy um, from a, from a hormone perspective. And of course, caring for yourself in whatever way that looks like, you know, whether it be um, meditation or or prayer or taking walks or calling your sister, you know, whatever it is, um, do those things to care for yourself. Yeah. And if I can share, um, I do have a free guide to help people cut emotional eating in half by balancing your blood sugar is what it's called uh, on my website. And I'd love to share that with your audience. It's at cassiechristopher.net 
forward slash free, and they can download that um, exactly as we've been talking about. It's got ideas for what exactly to eat. This is perfect. So we'll put the links in the show notes, but we also want to know how people can reach you on social uh, email or any other handles that you have. Shoot. <laughs> sure. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, um, you can actually book a call, a free 20 minute call to talk with me about what's going on for you and how I might be able to help you at cassiechristopher.net. And I'm on Facebook as well. And I'd love for you to follow me there. And I post, you know, a lot of great advice. Well, I think it's great. <laughs> and, you know, links to things like this podcast for extra support. And you can always please email me at hi at cassiechristopher.net and I'd love to connect. Thank you so much. So we'll put all the links in the show notes for you guys and you can reach out to Cassie and get your freebie and book the complimentary 20 minute session. Uh, but I love that you were here today and shared all this amazing information, Cassie. Thank you so much for having me. It's been such a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I had a whole bunch of aha moments during my interview with Cassie. And I love that she pointed out that we should give and need to give ourselves grace and love ourselves and not keep beating ourselves up and making ourselves feel guilty. And I also love that she said that not all emotional eating is bad. So you can have your cake like I will have on my birthday and not feel bad about it. Please reach out to us on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Heike Yates and Pursue Your Spark on Facebook at Heike Yates Pursue Your Spark. And of course, you can find Cassie on Facebook. Please let us know how this episode has helped you and feel free to share it with somebody that might need to hear this episode, need to hear Cassie's message. And with that, Please leave a review on the Apple Podcast. I would love it. And this way, a lot more people get to hear the show. So with that, my friends, I'm out of here. Have a most amazing day. Until the next time on the Pursue Your Spark Podcast. Ciao.